Hi, I'm Reed Huberman, and I'm the lead pastor of Soma Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and this is our podcast. We hope it fills your heart with the love of Christ and fuels your day with hope. Here's today's message. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so love one another. I mean, he said, a a new command I give you, love one another. Um, And so Jesus continually throughout the scripture leads us to this kind of radical love. And so the question only remains for us is that how do we get there? How can we step this thing out? How can we walk through it? And so we've gone through a couple of different uh, messages in this series to try to help us do that. And so the first one we talked about is that Jonah was running away from some really wicked people. Some people who did some really bad things, some very dangerous things. And um, they were enemies of Jonah, an enemy of the Israelites. And so we talked about the radical teaching of Jesus to even love the people who are enemies. Um, and then we talked about if we're going to be really honest about, uh, about loving like Jesus, we have to be willing to take a look in the mirror and, and look at the issues, look at the attitudes, look at the, the things in our life that are keeping us from truly loving like God has called us to love. And so we talked about change starting with a mirror, about being the change that we want to see in the world. Um, uh, not just telling people to change, but showing people change. Um, and, and then we talked about um, last Sunday, we, we talked about um, something that I still have been kind of chewing on, and hopefully you have too. We talked about problems being the provision, that if we're going to truly love like Jesus, we can't look at problems in a negative way. We have to look at problems as God's opportunity to get us back on the right direction. And, of course, we talked about the biggest problem of Jonah's life was getting swallowed by a whale, right? It's like there's probably few things prior to being swallowed by a whale that were worse in Jonah's life. But it was what God used to put him back on, on course to where he needed to be. And then today, we have an interesting thing to talk about, and we're going to try to sum up all that we've gone through today with this final message where we finally see Jonah, who has gone into the city of Nineveh and has spoken finally. In the belly of the whale, he told God he was sorry and said, yes, God, I'll do what you've called me to do. Salvation comes from you alone is kind of how he ended the prayer. And, and, he, and he is spit out of the whale's mouth and then spit out on the sand on the shores of Nineveh. So it goes back to that message that we were talking about last week where, where he was in the belly of the whale and he was going in the wrong direction. He does a 180 and he repents, which basically means that God helped him change the way that he looked at life. And, and, he, and he said, God, I'll go and I'll do what you told me to do. And so he spit out right where he needs to be, right in the place he needs to be. And I could even go and preach for a little bit about that and just tell you when it seems like you're off course, you may be closer than you think because you can always turn to God no matter where you are and he can get you to where you need to be. So do you feel like you're off course this morning? Do you feel like you're in a place where you shouldn't be? God can get you back on course and God can use that place to get you where you need to be. And so needless to say, he's done what God has told him to do now. And this is where we find Jonah Um, after he has spoken to the people of Nineveh. And now we're going to talk about the aftermath of him finally obeying God and then what happens to Jonah. And today we're going to be talking about and looking at the issue of anger. And so the message title for this morning is, You Mad Bro? You Mad Bro? Now here's why. Like, listen, I don't do cutesy titles all the time, right? All right, so you can go back and you can look at some of the messages online. Uh, but So you're going to have to give me this one. It was just like talking about anger. I was like, you got to do you mad, bro, all right? And I even looked it up on the Urban Dictionary, and it means like when somebody is, in, is enraged to make them even more enraged. So I was like, all right, sometimes I do that. So you got to go with you mad, bro. So let's turn to Jonah chapter 4. 
And we'll see where this title comes from and what we're talking about. And actually, we're going to start in Jonah 3.10, which is the very last verse of 3. And then we're going to jump in, continuing on in 4. For those of you who don't know this, you may not know this, that originally the Bible was not written with numbers. It didn't have numbers. Um, and those were added later. I think this is one of the places where the numbers were not added really well because 10 should be the beginning of 4. 3.10 should be the beginning of 4. It should actually be 4.1. Because it really, if you just jump into 4, you miss this great verse. So let's do 310 and then we'll go into chapter 4 and we'll read through verse 4. And it says this, when God saw they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, speaking about the Ninevites, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So again, just so you know, um, Jonah speaks to them, says destruction is coming if you don't turn from your evil ways. And then it says that um, that God saw their response, and their response was to turn from their evil ways. Okay, and it says, when God saw that, that they turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. This is the first of three times we'll hear this at, toward the end of this story. So he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? You can almost hear him fuming as he's saying this. Isn't this what I told you, God? When I was still at home, this is what I tried to foretell by fleeing to Tarshish, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You would think to yourself, well, that's a good thing, not for Jonah. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And that's the question I have for you this morning. Is it right for you to be angry? I believe that probably one of the most common emotions in our society today is anger. I believe that we are replete with it. I believe that it inundates our society. It certainly inundates the media and it definitely inundates our political atmosphere. Anger is something that, that we have in spades, it seems. I was doing a little bit of research on this and I, I saw a couple of surveys. There was a man that went to a small town, small rural town, and uh, he didn't want to go to a big city like New York because he felt like the, the deck would be stacked against him in terms of anger. So he went to a very small, sleepy town. And, and, and the first person he interviewed of the thousands of people that he interviewed about anger, the first person was incredibly furious. Just so happened to be. And this is why they were furious. She, the, the first woman that he came to when he knocked on the door doing this door-to-door -door survey, she was furious because her husband had just bought a new car. And say, well, that might make you furious, but that's not the sum total of the story. She was furious because her husband just bought a new car, and instead of showing it to her first, he decided to go ahead and show it to the mistress. She's like, well, I, I, don't, I, I thought for a long time that he's been cheating on me, and I didn't know for sure, but now it's been confirmed. But I'm not even as mad as that as I am that he showed her the car first. And he's like, already, uh, this is getting interesting. And so he went throughout the town. And, and he found that 68% of the people in that one town that he just picked at random, 68% claimed that they had been regrettably angry at least once or more than once. 68% regrettably angry on a daily basis. 68%. 50% of people polled in a Forbes poll said that they are more angry today than they were yesterday. I was watching a uh, kind of informal debate between citizens on the left and right of the political spectrum. And, and they all disagreed, every single one of them. The only thing that they all agreed with is, quote, they were all mad as hell. 
That's the only thing that they agreed upon, is that they were all angry. Anger is something that, that we have so, so much in common and it's something that Jonah has in common with us here today. And so I, I do want to make an aside and just say this. Anger can be good. No emotion in and of itself is really even bad, I don't think. In fact, God shows the gamut of emotions in the Bible. So, so emotions are not intrinsically bad. It's just what you typically, typically do with them. And in fact, I would say that if you don't get angry at some things, you're, you're probably not right with God, if I can be honest with you, right? When a child is abused, that should make you angry. When people are exploited, that should make you angry. You should get angry at injustice. I just don't want us to think that anger alone has created anything novel inside of us, that it cannot just be anger. And it certainly must be the right kind of anger if we are going to do the work that God has called us to do here on this earth, if we want to truly make a difference. But don't think issues as fundamental as racism or issues as fundamental as the, the, the question of, of abortion. It can be solved just with anger, no matter where you are in your belief system on these issues. You have not been brave just because you are angry. You will never solve anything as systemic and fundamental an issue just with rage. It must be more. It must be more than that. And so today, as I minister on this topic, I'm a little bit challenged myself to, to, to try to effectively talk about this thing. But what I would like to try to show you today is two things. Is first of all this, and, and then I'll kind of comprise them into one thing. But I'd like to show you what happens when you're angry. Because we can look at the story of Jonah and we can see how this keeps him from loving like Jesus. Right? Anger is never going to produce, and if you're writing notes, you can write this down. down. Anger is never going to produce the love of Jesus. Not anger alone, anyway. And so, so I want to I try to show you what anger does to us uh, uh, through the lens of the story of Jonah. And then what I'd like to do is to try to show you the remedy, is, is to try to show you the remedy for this. Um, it's, it's not debatable that you should be angry at times. But, but I do believe that the question for our generation and the question for our age and maybe the question for all generations is, is not what should we be angry about, but what do we do about the anger that we have that we shouldn't have? Come on, can anybody amen that, at least in their spirit? You know, it's not, it's not, yes, we should be angry about some things, and it's not right when we're not angry about some things. But, but I do believe the more overarching and the more important question for us here this morning for everybody here is, is not what should we be angry about. I could speak about that, but what should we do about the obvious anger that lurks in every single one of our hearts that we shouldn't have? I believe that's the more important question. What do we do about it? What, what stands can we take against it to curb it? Because the Bible tells you over and over and over again in so many ways. It says this in James 1.19, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. In Colossians 3.8, it says this, get rid of such things as anger and rage. In Proverbs 14.29, it says a fool is quick-tempered. And, and then I got to read this. I'll read it later, too, with another part of the message that we come to. But in Ephesians 4.31, listen to this. It says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another. So the question here this morning is how do we get rid of it if we have it and we're not supposed to have it? 
That's the question here this morning. So I want to show you some things again at the very front of this message of what anger does to us and how it has adverse consequences in our life. Just going from the story of Jonah, there's more you could talk about for sure. But I want to look at the story of Jonah and then I want to give you the remedy for the issue of anger. Come on, I know you don't maybe hear this a lot or maybe the last time you looked on YouTube, you weren't looking for what's the remedy for anger. But, but, but I think it's an undeniable thing that, that each and every one of us battle with. And maybe you can relate to some of the things that Jonah relates to here. And so let's keep on going in the story and you'll see a couple of ways in which Jonah gets angry. And then, and then we'll kind of speak to what the, the Bible says about those things. So um, we ended in verse four, so let's go to verse five in the story of Jonah. And it says this, so Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. All right, so we're going to stop right there and just say this. Um, so after Jonah went out and spoke to everybody, he finally separates himself and he, and he doesn't want to be around the Ninevites. He doesn't like them and he's mad that God is relenting against his, his, his anger or his promised anger against this city. And so he goes out and he's by himself. And, and, and his only friend, it's, like a, it's almost like a scene from Billy Madison. I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. Uh, but but it's, it's like, you're my only friend, Swan. Do you remember that? Anybody? No, okay, no. All right. But anyway, so, so he only has one friend, an inanimate object, this leafy plant that can't talk to him, and he hates all these people because he's angry at them, and so he separates himself from them. You know the funny thing that's not in the Bible here, because sometimes the Bible preaches even when it's silent? The funny thing is, is that they all, this whole city, listened to this one man and felt like there was something good that he had to say. The whole city repented and, and relented from their evil ways, it says, and they followed the direction of this man. He separates himself to the east of the city and no one is looking for him. No one seems to care. Because you want to know why? Here's the first point. Anger makes you bad company. Anger makes you bad company. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's consistently angry. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's consistently angry. Listen, listen to Proverbs 2.24. When it says this, it says, do not make company with an ill-tempered man. Listen, if we consistently are upset about the things that happen to us in this life and get enraged by them, rather than turn those things to joy, not only are we not looking at those things the way I think that God wants us to, but we're also, we're also missing an opportunity to preach the gospel. We're, 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 we're essentially going to alienate people from us if if we don't look at the situations and the circumstances that come to us in life as opportunities rather than setbacks, if we're not willing to, to, to do the cliche thing and take the lemons of life and make lemonade with them like Paul did, then we're never truly going to be able to win the people who are closest to us. If they only make us bitter, if they only make us enraged, we'll miss opportunities. Listen, if you only focus on the difficult things in life and only get angry about them, John, the, the revelator, when he wrote the book of Revelation, I know you think it's a weird book, it's probably like dragons and locusts with hair, women's hair and stuff. But listen, put all that to the side for a minute and let's just say this. Praise God that it wasn't the book of prison bars and rats because when John wrote the book, he was in prison. He was on an island and he had been sent there because he was a Christian as a punishment. And if he'd only focused on what was going wrong in his life and the difficulties of his life, that's what the book of Revelation would have become. 
But thank God for a man of God who didn't look at his difficulty and get bitter and angry about it, but instead said this, that this is the book, this is what the beginning of the book of Revelation, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, he wasn't looking at his prison cell. He wasn't looking at the rats. He wasn't looking at moldy bread for his lunch. He was looking at Jesus in the midst of his prison cell, and it changed the whole way he perceived everything, and it changed the Bible, because now we have the book of Revelation as a result of, the, of him taking his eyes off of what's around him and, and putting his eyes towards heaven. So there's a lot to say there, but simply this, that, that it's, it's not fun to be around people who are really angry a lot. I believe it's the devil's mission to steal joy in your life. I believe one of the chief ways in which he will do this is he will try to get you upset, try to get you frustrated, try to get you mad. The Bible says this in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen, I hope you grab a hold of this and you make 2019 the most joyful year of your life, not just because we believe that God is here just to make you happy, but listen, if you do have God, you've got a lot to be happy about. You've got a lot to be joyful about. And I believe that the enemy is after your joy because he knows that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And one of his tactics is to infuse frustration and anger and difficulty in everything that you experience in this life instead of to produce joy. But if you can learn this, not only will you attract people to you, but you'll be able to turn whatever situation you're in for the glory of God. Let me just read this, because I wasn't going to, but Philippians 1.15 says this. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Now listen to this. Philippians 1.15. People are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intentioning to make my chains more painful to me. But listen to verse 18. But that doesn't matter. I just love that. These people are coming up against Paul, and not only that, they're coming up against God because they're preaching against, um, or, or the reason they're preaching is not, is not pure. And, and, and he said, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. Man, if we can grab a hold of that kind of attitude, that, that is going to change things for us. And listen, he doesn't stop there. So I rejoice. And Paul is writing this again in prison. And I will continue to rejoice. I think that's powerful. That's the kind of person I want to hang out with, I'll just tell you that much, who can be in prison, have people preaching against him, have people preaching even things out of unpure motives and say, but it doesn't matter, I rejoice because Jesus is being exalted. That's all that matters. And so the next thing is this, and I think we would probably all amen and agree with this. The next one is this, is anger makes you dumb. Anger makes you dumb. Our kids aren't here today, I don't think, so uh, we can say this, anger makes you dumb. I had a, a, a friend who was a kids worker in kids ministry, and um, a, a little girl that she uh, had that day, that Sunday, came to her mom, and, she, and the, the kids worker was actually friends with the mom, and the little girl was so upset. She said, Mom, uh, I gotta tell you something that happened in kids church today, and she was almost to tears, and the mom was like, getting a little freaked out. And she said, what happened in kids' church today, honey? And she said, I, I don't know if I could tell you, Mom. It just was really bad. And she said, well, what happened? And she said, well, Miss Dawn, she, she did something that I don't think you'd like, Mom. 
Um, and she said, well, honey, you got to tell me what happened. I need to know. I won't be able to do anything about it if you don't tell me what happened. And she said, Mom, I can't do it. You'll get so mad at me if I tell you. She said a bad word. And she said, well, honey, listen, you got you to tell me. She said, no, it's the worst word. You tell me never to say this word. You said, don't ever say it. And she said, oh, but honey, I need to know the word because I have to be able to, to, to take care of this. And she said, okay, well, she said, she said, dumb. So, dumb isn't a word we use in our house, but I do have to tell you that anger does make you dumb. Listen, listen to what it says as we continue the story in Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. Thank you, Lord. God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. So this is the one friend that Jonah has. It's a little plant that's hanging over his head, um, and it's keeping the sun from, away, uh, from off of him. And God provides a worm, chews it up, and it says this, when the sun arose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. It's the second time we hear him saying, I want to die. Um, and he says, I want to die, and it would be better for me to die than to live. And then verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. He says it again. It's the third time he said he wished he was dead. Um, so I, I just love this story about this man who um, is using this plant for cover. The plant dies. God makes it die. And then he gets so upset that the plant is dead. Maybe, you know, I was thinking about this too. Maybe he grew up in that generation with chia pets. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can grow something on a clay, bald-headed man, you feel like you can take over the world, don't you? Like, you can grow anything. It's like, I'm going to get a garden next week, bro. Did you see my bald-headed man with grass growing out of his head from a clay pot? Do you remember that? Cha-cha-cha-chia. Um, so so he's, he's super upset about this stupid plant. And I just got to be honest with you. Anger makes us really... Dumb. Listen, listen to Ecclesiastes 7 9 uh, because it, it says it for us. Ecclesiastes 7 9. That anger falls into the lap of a fool. Uh, when, when you're angry, basically folly is in your lap. Uh, just like you would say, uh, you know, this blessing fell in my lap or this job just fell right in my lap. It just, I didn't have to do anything, it's just there. And so basically when it says in Ecclesiastes 7, 9 that, that um, anger is in the lap of a fool, what it's saying is that you're just foolish when you're angry and you didn't have to do anything about it. Just by getting angry sometimes you just get foolish. Maybe you know this real well because... Uh, you ever been in a hurry? Maybe, once or twice, right? Uh, you ever been super late for an appointment and you needed to get to something really, really quick? Um, you ever noticed how everything makes you angry when you're doing that? Like before you see things that you didn't see before, traffic is slower than it's ever been before. The people in the grocery store are slower than they've ever been before. Why did that woman in the wheelchair grocery thing pull out in front of me and now I gotta be behind her in my shopping cart? She doesn't need that wheelchair. You start getting frustrated at the, 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 the craziest things that you would, like when you make yourself enough time to actually give yourself some uh, margin in life that you're just like, you're way nicer to be around like we talked about before. But, it, but, but the reason you're seeing those things differently is that when you're angry, 
When you're angry, you're using a different portion of your brain. In fact, um, physiologically and biologically speaking, when you're angry, you are no longer using the analytical portion of your brain, your cortex. You're using... you're using your limbic portion of your brain. And so the cortex is called the, the smart brain, and so you can guess what the other part of your brain is called. That The limbic portion of your brain is the thing that cro- controls your emotions. It's also the thing that controls fight or flight response inside of you, the flight or flight response. So in other words, it's the part of your brain, your cortex shuts down in fly, fight or flight, and, and your limbic portion kicks in because it doesn't have time in those emergency situations to really process analytically. So biologically speaking, that portion of your brain kicks in to only allow you to do one of two things, either to run quickly away or to start fighting. And that's what happens when you get angry. That, that, that portion of your brain shuts down and you start using a different portion of your brain that, that, that can only typically process very small, short amounts of information and doesn't look long-term, but only in the heat of the moment thinks about a response. So physiologically, biologically speaking even, you are not smart when you're angry. You don't do things you're proud of when you're angry. And neither is Jonah here as he's fussing about the plan. All right, let's move on to the next one. And then the last one is probably the most important one, and it says this in verse 10. But the Lord said, you have, always, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And so the idea here is, is uh, God is saying, shouldn't I be concerned with these people? You're upset about the plant, and you didn't even make the plant. I made that. Shouldn't I be concerned with, with people that are much more important? And so here's the last point, is anger alone is never going to be the solution to anything. Anger without compassion is ineffective. So the first two things we looked at is that anger makes you a bad company. The second thing that we looked at is that, is that anger makes you dumb. And, and the third thing is that anger is just simply ineffective. I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this, but that you're not going to truly be effective at changing things, making a difference, making the kind of impact that I believe God wants you to make with your life if all you have is anger. You must have more than that. Anger without compassion is ineffective. And here's where that comes from in this story is that, is that Jonah went and spoke to a city. And that city, because they received compassion, changed. So they saw that God was a compassionate God and that God would relent and that, and that God, if they would ask for forgiveness, would help them in the midst of their difficulty and their pain. And so God was angry with them, but he didn't just use anger. He also used the compassion that was necessary for them to truly experience the change that they saw. Now look at Jonah, who only has anger but is not receiving compassion because he doesn't like that God was was forgiving to these people. And he's stewing by himself now. And the, now catch this, the enemies of the Israelites who were wicked people have experienced the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And Jonah, who is the prophet of Almighty God and the man of God and the person who's followed God, has not. 
He's off by himself, angry and bitter, and he hasn't experienced any of the grace and the forgiveness of God. Hasn't experienced any of it. So even if you're angry at the right things, even if you've come up with something that really gets under your skin, something that really bothers you, something that you believe needs to be done something about, just anger alone is never going to solve it. Look at the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was strategic. It was motivated. It, it, was, it was well thought out and well planned. You could say many things about Martin Luther King Jr. One of the things that you could say about him and that is undeniable about him is that he was an intelligent and articulate man. There's no doubt about that. And so the, the civil rights movement was not just a bunch of people protesting outside of something that they didn't like or that they disagreed with ideologically. It was a well thought out strategic plan to make a change in society and do something different. It wasn't just anger on steroids. Sometimes I think today that, that people feel like so entitled to their anger that if you try to take it from them, they just get even more angry. But anger alone is never truly going to solve the issue. We must go deeper than that. We must have anger over the things that are wrong mixed with compassion. Hear this in Ephesians 4, 26 through 28, and then 31 through 32. In your anger, do not sin. So right there in that verse of scripture, it says you can be angry, but don't sin. Here, here's how you sin, because it's going to tell us. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So in other words, don't just stay in your anger. Come on, some, some people need to hear this because they're far too often because of the way your life is going right now, you're operating in frustration and anger. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and this is gonna set you free. Listen to what the Bible says about this. And do not give the devil a foothold. So just so that I can do just to this, just wanna make sure it makes sense. In your anger, do not sin. Here's how you sin. By letting the sun go down on your anger. So in other words, you just stay right there in your anger and it doesn't become more than that. That's how you sin. And, and he says, by doing that kind of thing, you give the devil a foothold because the devil can now start turning your anger into things that were never supposed to happen. But listen to this. In verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. So in other words, if you are angry, don't let it stop at just anger alone, but now turn that anger from what you were doing, bad habits and such, and do something else. Stop stealing, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. So take your anger and turn it into something useful, in other words. Do something with your hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And then this is 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. So I hope that makes sense. So as I wind down today, I just I want this to be the, the kind of the thing that, that moves us to this next point, to this next place in, in the message, which is really kind of the heart of the message. But, but get this, don't just sit in your anger because that gives place to the devil, but turn it into something that is useful with your hands. Don't just sit back and get angry here, but turn it into something useful over here with your hands. That's kind of what he's saying. But here's the idea of the whole sum total of the message, of the story. Certainly of the message this morning, but also of the story. Is that we want to move now from what anger does to you, 
to what do you do about it? If you find that anger is inside of you and there's, there's times where anger controls you, you're operating with the limbic and not the cortex, what do you do about it? Um, the best way that I can think to kind of communicate that is just to say this, Jonah is Nineveh in this story. And what I mean by that is this, is that um, Nineveh was wicked and they turned from God. Jonah was wicked and he turned from God at the very beginning of the story, right? God speaks to him. He doesn't listen and he goes the opposite direction. Nineveh did the same thing. God sends a messenger to help them turn back and get on course. God did the same thing for Jonah. He sent a whale, a messenger of such, to, to get a hold of Jonah and to get him back on course. At the end, the Ninevites hear the message and they respond to God. At the end of the story of Jonah, we have God asking three times these questions to him. Is it right for you to be angry? Should you be angry for the plant? And then this final question, shouldn't I have compassion on them? This frames the last chapter of the story of Jonah, these three last questions. And so it leaves us with this idea. Jonah is Nineveh. Nineveh has answered the question, what will you do with the message? But now we have Jonah who is just left with the question. And it causes us to look back at our own heart and our own life and ourself and ask, what will we do about the things that God has called us to do? What will we do even about the anger that we're experiencing? Because we see what Nineveh did, we are not sure what Jonah's gonna do in the midst of the story. And so I think anger more so than anything, this is just my belief and, and maybe, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I definitely know that there's a lot of truth to it. That anger perhaps inside of our heart may be one of the things that calls us to God the most. Just that emotion that we all possess because we would all, I would dare say, would agree that there's, there's a little bit of anger inside of us all and there's times where we do things in anger that we shouldn't. There's times where we've said things to our kids where we shouldn't. There's times where we've said things to our spouse when we shouldn't in the heat of the moment. So anger is something we all deal with and the question now as the question was posed to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Which I believe is God is just trying to get to the place where, where Jonah can experience the change that the Ninevites did and the change that he wants us to experience here this morning. Is it right for you to continue to be angry the way that you have been angry before you came to Soma Church this morning is the question. And if not, what will you do about it? What's the solution? What's the remedy? What's, what's the turnaround for you this morning? And here's the turnaround that I believe God would call us to as a result of this message is let Jesus help you. That's the only call to action I have here this morning. I thought about a lot of things that I could encourage you to do. But would you do this? Instead of dealing and battling with your anger alone, instead of recognizing that there are things emotionally in you that need to be fixed by God, would you let that serve as a message or a messenger and a message that you, that you need God's help. I need God's help. And would you let him in that one place? Don't just let him in on Sunday morning. Listen, we appreciate it every single time you tithe, but I'm gonna go ahead and be honest with you. Don't just let him into your financial situation. Would you let him into the one thing that he needs and requires and calls the most? Would you let him into your soul, the area of your emotions, the areas 
that, that, that nobody sees except you. And would you let him help you? Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our channel for past episodes. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating or even sharing it with friends. That would mean so much to us. For more content from Soma Church or to connect with us, go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you.